Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. Today is another solo episode of me just talking about myself. Hopefully it will actually be helpful. Basically today we're doing a college Q&A and I asked you on Instagram what questions you have about my college experience, studying abroad, any advice that I might have from my very limited experience thus far. Um, So I tried to arrange all of these questions into categories because There were just so many questions and so many things that I wanted to talk to you about. So I think the general structure is we're going to cover the basics. Where am I studying? What am I studying? The frequently asked questions. Um, Then my first impressions of IE University. So I guess I already spoiled where I'm studying. Um, Questions about studying, like what degree that I chose and my thoughts on opportunities that I might take in the future. Studying um, abroad, so the process for applying for that, documents, uh, cultural changes and differences that I needed to get used to, etc. Life in university, so more of like the day-to-day lifestyle kind of thing, homesickness, um, making friends, etc. And then finally, advice for high schoolers and college students. I hope my voice sounds okay in this because I have this feeling like I need to clear my throat, but I can't clear it fully, but I think we'll be okay. So what I wanted to start with was clearing up some of the misconceptions that I've noticed people have about what it is that I'm actually doing here. So one of the questions asked, is it difficult to study in another language? And that's when I realized that I need to like lay down some basic facts to start out with. So this university that I'm studying at, it is called IE University. It is in English. Everything is in English. The only times that I use Spanish here are when I go out into the city um, and go to restaurants or stores and things like that. I also speak Spanish with the resident staff. They do also speak English, but they said to me, like, this is an opportunity for you to practice Spanish. So we encourage you to speak to us in Spanish. So I do that. And once in a while um, with some of the employees at the university. But most importantly, all of the classes, all of the interactions with students really are all in English. That was important to me because as much as I do want to improve my Spanish, I want to do that in the real world or in a Spanish class and not while I am trying to learn my degree. So I don't know. I just thought that if I'm paying a lot of money and spending a lot of time to study a certain topic, I don't want any language barriers to get in the way of that. So yes, everything is very easy for me to understand. Um, Another common misconception is that I'm doing a study abroad in the sense that I'm at another university, but like I'm just going to Spain for a semester or a year. I will be doing all four years of college at this university. So everything is in Spain. I will be splitting my time between their two campuses. So IE University has a campus in Segovia and in Madrid. Um, Some of the degrees, you don't have a choice as to where you study it. Some of them do. So my degree, I am studying communications and digital media. That one had the option of either doing four years in Madrid or two years in Segovia and then two years in Madrid. So... I decided to start out in Segovia, and there were a few reasons that I decided that. Madrid is a very big city. I do really like Madrid. I want to preface by saying that I love that city. Uh, I lived there for about a month in 2019 with host families when I was on my gap year and doing workaway programs. What I heard from other students was basically that, one person gave this example, that if you go to study in Madrid, and you go to a party or a nightclub at night, you will be surrounded by just the people who live in Madrid. Like most of them you probably won't know because Madrid is such a huge city. If you go to a nightclub in Segovia, it's probably going to be all IE University students. So basically, if you start out in Segovia, there's more of like a small, small community feel. And people said that you kind of form a family feeling and then when you move on to the Madrid campus you still have like those connections with the smaller community that you started out in. 
I really liked the idea of that. I thought it would be a little overwhelming to start out in Madrid. I like the idea of sort of being forced to form closer relationships with a smaller group of people. We'll see how that actually ends up turning out. Is this going to be a family or is it just going to be more like clicks? We'll see, but I really like the idea of that. Segovia is actually not as small as I thought it would be. I truly thought that I would be living in like a village and I thought that if I needed to buy clothing, for example, I would have to go to Madrid to do that. Um, there's definitely less selection here, but there's also definitely clothing stores. You don't need to go to the next city over to buy necessities. You have everything you need here, but it does have that small town feeling. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about spending two years here. Uh, I'm already very excited because me and my friends are going to Madrid just for one night this weekend and I'm so excited to like escape to a bigger city and I've only been in Segovia for a few weeks so we'll see how I'm feeling at the end of these two years. Um, to be fair, there's so much of Segovia that I have not explored. I probably am feeling a little claustrophobic only because I literally walk up and down the same street whenever I go out walking or exploring. There's much of the city yet for me to see, so I should not be complaining. Segovia is beautiful though. I do definitely want to mention that. It is, uh, I think it's like a UNESCO World Heritage Site, if I'm not mistaken, like the entire city is. It has a beautiful plaza, an aqueduct, castles, cathedrals, like a fairy tale city, I would say. Um, cobblestone streets, narrow, narrow sidewalks. That is something that annoys me, but I guess it's part of the charm. It does have a lot of greenery, which I really appreciate because I was very worried that it would be very much like desert mountain landscape. Um, old stone buildings, cobblestone streets, and not a tree in sight. But there actually are really nice parks and just places to enjoy a little bit of greenery. Okay, so that's the campus. Moving on to why I chose this university. So here are the reasons that I've been telling people because I do get this question a lot. First of all, university here is cheaper in Europe as opposed to America. Of course, there are so many variations between American universities and between European universities, but I do believe that going to this university was cheaper for me than um, going to UW-Madison, which I also considered. I considered going to UW-Madison and studying journalism in the strategic communications track. And I was pretty excited about UW-Madison as well. I think the city where I grew up is beautiful and the university is really cool. I know a lot of people there. But even though like UW-Madison was probably one of, the, one of the cheaper options that I could go with in the United States, and IE University is one of the more expensive options that I could go with within Europe, IE, I think, is still cheaper for me than going to UW-Madison. Another reason I chose IE is because going to Europe does not feel that much like going to a foreign place. So I was born in Lithuania. Um, I moved to the United States when I was four-ish years old. All of my extended family live either in Lithuania or in Germany. So even though I am moving away from my immediate family, I have gotten a lot closer to my extended family. I have not yet had the opportunity to visit them as a result, but it just feels nice to be closer to them. Maybe like in the summer, I'll be able to go to Lithuania or something like that. So just basically in a way, coming to Europe felt like coming home. Third, I did study Spanish in high school, so I pretty much knew the language before coming here and I would not have to learn a new one. Um, so that was why I kind of weighed Spain more heavily than other places that I might go to study abroad. I quite like the climate here. I think summers are really, really hot, but I probably will be going home to the United States during the summer anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Winters are nice and mild though. Um, it's just a new experience. That was a big selling point. Like there was so much that I loved about UW-Madison, but I also felt like maybe, Maybe I should try to leave home and leave the city that I've lived in for like 15 years, try something new. And finally, I just like the school. 
I really liked the specific program. Um, I like that the school as a whole has a focus on business, no matter which degree you're studying. And I also really like that you don't have to do any general education requirements. So in the United States, I think in most colleges, you would have to take a set of like core classes um, before you moved on to the classes that are more specific to your major. Here, we don't have to do any of that. From the get-go, it has been classes that are about media and communications. Um, they will get more specific as time goes on, but for example, I did not have to take any math classes because it's communications and digital media. We do not need math for this. Finally, one person asked me a very interesting question. They said, was there any chance you were going to study in Lithuania? I don't think I've talked about this very much, but yes, there was a very, very tiny chance. After we visited Lithuania in August of 2019, I was just so happy to be back in my hometown. I don't know if I can call it my hometown because I only lived there from like age zero to four. So it's not like I even have a lot of memories from it, but it there's something really special about going back to the place that you were born and that you spent your first few years in. I loved it so much. I was surprised. Um, I should say that I was born in Vilnius, Lithuania, which is the capital of Lithuania. I was surprised at how, I don't know, how much it's changed um, in terms of like how, uh, how much tourism there is there now, how much like the downtown area has developed, things like that. And I really liked it and I thought, what if I were to study here? Like, similar to Spain, the nice thing is that I wouldn't have to learn a new language. And even more than Spain, I would be super close to my family members. Um, I did look at a couple of universities that had communications degrees. And I don't know why I ultimately decided not to go. I think... Partly because I'm pretty sure the program would have been in Lithuanian. I might be wrong on this. But even though I do speak fluent Lithuanian with my family, it's like at-home Lithuanian, not, not for a professional or an educational setting. So I think I would really struggle speaking Lithuanian at college. And I don't know. <laughs> Lithuania is just a small country, you know? Like, my parents left because they wanted to go to a place that had more opportunities, basically. So I don't I don't think I'll ever go back to Lithuania to like permanently live there. I never I never want to say never, but going there for university just didn't seem to me like it would open a lot of opportunities. Okay, one more thing before we finish out this basics section is someone asked, are you paying for college yourself? So I think this is a really important question to answer because we don't all have access to the same privileges and resources, especially when it comes to higher education. And that is a huge problem. So I think it's important to just be like open about what kind of support we are receiving um, so that we don't portray like a false image for other people to possibly compare themselves against and then feel bad um, when they might not have access to as many resources as we have. If that makes any type of sense. So in my personal situation, I am paying for the housing and the meal plan and just like day-to-day -day expenses, I guess. And my parents are paying for the tuition. So I'm super grateful to them for supporting me in that way. Um, I got a 40% scholarship from the university for like academic performance. And I had two small scholarships from high school that made a small dent in that final amount. I do want to make like a what I spend in a month in Spain video or something like that. Okay, moving on to the next section, my first impressions of IE. So I already talked a little bit about Segovia. The campus is also really nice. So the building itself is very historical. It's actually housed in the convent of Santa Cruz La Real, which is a historic building declared a national heritage site in 1931, fun fact. Um, but the classrooms themselves are very modern. So it's very, very cool to have that mix of like modern facilities, um, but also being able to walk through this building, like literally seeing the 
stone walls and the bits of history that are still apparent in it. A question someone asked was, how different is the teaching style from high school? So I only have like two weeks experience so far to speak from. Um, maybe I'll have a different answer for you in the future, but for the time being, I'm going to say it's not very different. Um, we have lectures. I think the only thing is that the lectures are a lot longer. So most of my classes are in sessions of one hour and 20 minutes. And then the writing for media class that I have is a two hour, 50 minute session with like a, a short break in between. So that's different. That's been kind of difficult to get used to because high school was 50 minute classes. And so, I don't know, I, I quite like that fast pace and going from class to class. And it just helped you not get as bored, <laughs> definitely still bored, but at least there was some variety in your day. So it's definitely hard for me to sit through a three hour class now focusing on the same subject. In terms of the structure of the class, I mean, you go to class, you uh, see the teacher give a presentation, a lecture, there's discussions, then you go home, you read some articles, you answer some questions. Today we were assigned a group presentation based on the stuff that we've been learning. So everything is pretty standard, I would say. Like, I think it depends so much on the teacher that you have. So as with high school, it's the same in college. There are some great teachers and some not so great teachers. One difference that I did want to point out is class size. And this only applies to my university, to my specific degree. But our class size this year is like 60 people. So there are about 60-ish in the communications degree. And apparently this is a huge increase from previous years. I heard from, I think, a second year student that last year it was 30 people. 30 people is more is more like the average class size that we had in high school. So 60 is a stretch. We have to go to a big room. We have we've been having all of our classes, almost all of our classes in the same classroom, which is a little annoying because it gets very tiring. I, we have a lot of class discussions. I wouldn't say that having 60 people has necessarily gotten in the way of that but I would definitely prefer to have a class of 30 people instead of 60. We do have one class that isn't really part of our degree. It's called writing skills. And for that class, they did split us into two groups of about 30 people. So that's nice. But yeah, I do miss the smaller class sizes in high school. My favorite subject this semester, my favorite class so far, it's looking like it's gonna be communication foundations. So this is like the introduction course where we try and define what communications is and then look at the history of how communications and media have evolved over time. The content is fine, but I think the reason why I love the class is because of the professor. She's super engaging and just leads discussions really well. As I said, it's hard for me to sit through these long classes and also always be in the same classroom and her class. I think is the best one at keeping me awake during it. One of the first activities we did in that class was comparing different articles about the effects of smartphones on teenagers' mental health, which as you might imagine was right up my alley. So that made me pretty excited for the rest of the class. The final question in this category is, do you think IE is traditional in terms of the educational system? So again, I've only been here for two or three weeks. I don't know if I can say much, for the time being, it seems pretty traditional to me. Their tagline is IE University, driving innovation. I don't know if they can market themselves too much as change makers. I don't mean any offense, but nothing has really been that different from any other university that I know of. So maybe the most different quote-unquote innovative thing is that they recently decided to go paperless completely paperless and that has just been very annoying for students and professors alike in terms of the classes the way the whole system is structured i don't think there's anything different from like if i had gone to uw madison i don't know what i would classify as like a truly innovative, non-traditional school. The only example I can think of is Minerva University. Um, that is famously the university that Unjaded Jade attends where they like study in eight different countries over the course of the four years or seven, something like that. 
and they do all their classes online. Um, I actually read the book written by the creators of that university, which was fascinating. So if, if there is an innovative university out there, it's got to be Minerva. I would not give that title to IE. No offense. The next category is about studying. So this is where I get very introspective about what my life path is. So one person asked, what are you studying? What do you want to be? I think that's a very interesting question. I think that's a hard thing to ask these days. Like, what do you want to be? Because I think so many different careers are being invented. Like the career of the influencer, for example, that didn't exist like 20 years ago. So I think it's very, very difficult to just say like, yep, I'm gonna study this and then I'm gonna go directly into this job that directly relates to what I studied. As I said, what I decided to focus on was communications and digital media. I felt so sure of this in high school. And that made sense because literally everything that I did was related to communications and digital media. I did have a lot of interest. I liked a lot of my classes. I loved math, for example. Um, I really liked psychology class. Um, but when it came to my extracurricular activities, what I chose to do with my free time, that was pretty much all communications related. I did the yearbook in middle school, the newspaper all four years of high school. Um, I did Future Business Leaders of America, which is like a competition thing. And all of the events I chose to compete in were like social media graphic design related. Uh, and then of course I did my YouTube channel and all that blogging stuff. So going into communications and media felt very natural until this year, I would say. And I think what changed is basically that I spent two gap years doing nothing but communications and media. Okay, I did a little bit of traveling my first gap year, but the rest of it was spent doing freelance photography, working on my YouTube channel, and then gap year number two was just completely working on my YouTube channel. It just gets a little bit tiring. I didn't have that same excitement and passion for going to college to study the topic. Um, I wanted to explore other things, but I wasn't even sure what. So ultimately, I decided to stick with communications. I actually found, I think this is new, but on their website, they now have, on the IE University website, they now have a survey for helping you decide what you want to study. That was a difficult quiz to fill out. One of the questions was, I would like to learn more about dot 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 and then the options were a art and philosophy b history geography and languages c math physics and chemistry i don't none of them like i think i would pick maybe one out of each of those categories i might do philosophy um languages maybe a little history and math but there was none of those options that stood out to me uh, I forgot what I even chose. I think I chose history, geography, and languages, ultimately. The interesting part is what results I got on this quiz. So I took this very quickly. I didn't think too deeply, but the quiz recommended that I study data and business analytics or combine that with business administration into a dual degree or study computer science and artificial intelligence. So... Did you notice that communications was nowhere in there? I don't know. If I had not done communications, I also was a little interested in business administration. Once I got here on campus though, I've been hearing that business administration is the one that has the most students by far. And so it's kind of considered to be like the degree for the people who don't really want to study and just want to party. So I don't know if I would have ended up happy there. Um, data and business analytics certainly sounds interesting. Computer science and artificial intelligence is also very interesting to me. As I said, I loved math all throughout my life. Um, but I don't know if I could do just that for four years. I don't know if I want to go into a career that is purely computer science. So I have no clear answer to that. I'm just going to see how things go with this communications degree. Another question that someone had was, why go to college if you already have a brand and know a lot of media stuff? Great question. Another question that I've wrestled with a lot. I think one important thing to explain is that 
yes, I do have a YouTube channel and I have learned a lot from it, but the scope of my knowledge is pretty narrow. I know how to run a YouTube channel. I know a little bit about like the influencer marketing industry, about creating and selling products, social media marketing, things like that. But I don't know the entire communications and media industry. So I thought it would be helpful to illustrate this with some specific examples of classes that I'm going to be taking in this degree. One class that I have this semester is photography and videography. And the professor said that basically in the next few sessions, we are going to be in the studio learning about how a camera works. So shutter speed, aperture, ISO, all that fun stuff. And I was just like, ugh. <laughs> I, I know that's a very important thing to learn. I know that is a very relevant class to this degree, but I wish I could just skip it. Like at least skip those sessions where we're going to be going over the basics of the camera because I feel like I have spent plenty of time with the features of DSLR cameras. I am hoping though that the projects that we're gonna have in this class are gonna push me out of my comfort zone a little bit because even though I do have a lot of experience with photography and videography, it's all kind of in the same vein. I pretty much just have done like senior portrait shoots and then YouTube videos, some kind of documentary-ish videos. So maybe I'll have to create something new that I've never done before and pick up new skills that way. Other classes that we have though are things like communication and law, consumer culture, events management, corporate communication, media and entertainment industries. These are topics I think I know very little about. And so I just think there's still so much more for me to learn within this field. Yes, I do currently have a job working in the communications field, I guess, and I enjoy it and it makes me money, but I think thinking in a long-term perspective, I don't really want to be doing YouTube forever, or at least I don't know if I'll want to do YouTube forever, maybe I will, um, but I want to open other options to myself and kind of stick to this um, path of communications but explore other areas of it that I've never really encountered before. And maybe one day I will work in those other areas or maybe it will help me to improve my YouTube channel or maybe I'll just know more and have more knowledge. Overall though, I wanted to have the college experience and by that I don't mean partying, but the college experience of moving out to live on your own, but like not completely on your own, something in between childhood and adulthood. Um, making lots of friends my age, making possibly professional connections, um, discovering new interests, doing study abroad, learning, all that good stuff. I wanted to also go back to the language question. So when someone asked me, is it difficult to study in another language? Um, so no, I'm studying completely in English, but I do have a bit of a dilemma. It's not really a dilemma, it's just a choice that I have to make and I'm having a difficult time making. And that is the question of what language classes do I want to take here? So to graduate, you need to have a certain level of Spanish. To determine our Spanish level, we had to take a placement test. I took that placement test and I scored Pretty darn high, if I do say so myself. Um, I only say that because I went to the language center um, to try and check my score. And the person working there was like, whoa, you scored really high. Anyways, I'm gonna stop tooting my own horn now. So basically, I am not required to take Spanish classes, but I could. However, those will be like an advanced level of Spanish class. And so I will have to pay extra to take those. I will get credits for those, which is nice. So it's basically an opportunity to really like fine tune my Spanish and work on my skills, also get some credits, but I do have to pay for that. Those are the pros and cons. Another option is I could take another language. So I think out of the offerings, I was most interested in Chinese and that would be quite a challenge, I think, but at least it would be like in the classroom setting. I think that would be a lot easier than trying to self-study it. And I would also get credits for that, which is really, really nice because then I would have to worry less in my later years of university 
um, about making sure that I have enough credits to graduate. Again, I would have to pay for those classes because Chinese is not required to graduate. So I think I have to make that decision pretty quickly because I believe that up until like people have had five sessions of their language class, they can switch levels, switch classes, whatever changes they need to make. And then after that, I think everything is like set. Um, so I asked my friends, they have had three sessions so far, so we'll see. I think I'm gonna call my family tonight and talk to them about that. Because if any year to add on some extra course load, some extra work, I think it would be the first year. Cause I'm pretty sure that like the general classes that we have to take the first year are the easiest out of all the years. And I'm also living in a residence, which means I don't have to worry about apartment living things like cooking. So I probably have the most free time this year. So I feel like it would be a good idea to get ahead of my credits by taking a language, which I've heard doesn't have a lot of homework. It's basically just you show up to class and you do the lesson, you practice. Another possible path that I can take in my journey here at IE is doing something called IE Labs. So how, how do they describe these? I think they describe them as like, fully tutored working spaces. It's basically, an in, it's a cross between an internship and a class. So it's like a short internship where throughout the entire project you are guided by a professor. So you are working with a real company creating a real project, but you're learning throughout the way how to actually complete that project. They offer labs in a lot of different areas. For example, there is food culture lab, uh, tech lab, slow fashion lab, finance lab. There is a communication lab, which I guess would be like the obvious choice for a communications major. However, someone asked this at like the presentation, they asked, do we have to do the one that is what we're studying or can we do other ones? And the person giving the presentation, she said that because it's your first year, you're not expected to have any experience. And so yes, you could do um, the labs from other degrees. If that is true, cause she did later have to email us to like change her answer on a different question. So I'm not sure I can trust her information, but if that is true, I would absolutely love to do a lab in a completely different area because I opened up some of the information about the communication lab and they give you some example projects that students have done. And it's literally like, create a corporate video, create an internal corporate video, create a promo video, create a video showcasing blah, blah, blah. It's all creating videos. And at this point, the thought of creating video does not excite me at all. And so I think doing a lab in an area I have no experience with would be a really good way to explore different areas. Finally, another opportunity that we have here is study abroad. So I don't have a ton of information on that, but I'm pretty sure that the time that we are able to do study abroad is the first semester of our fourth year. IE University has a bunch of partnerships with universities around the world. There are some in South Korea, which I, for obvious reasons, was interested in. If those reasons are not obvious to you, it's because I did study Korean on my own for a while. Full disclosure, I have not studied in months and months, so I would need a lot of brushing up, but I just think that would be a really cool experience. Even if it's not Korea, I for sure want to do a study abroad somewhere. Alrighty, speaking of study abroad, we're gonna move on to the next category, which is about my experience studying at a Spanish university. So one question that someone had was, how early should you start sorting out the paperwork? So the thing to keep in mind is that it will be different for everyone, depending on which country you're from and which country you're going to. So for me, it was actually a lot easier than for the American students because I have a Lithuanian passport, which is part of the EU. So I didn't need like a student visa to come here. I do need to get other stuff. Like I need an NIE, which is the numero identificacion de extranjero, I think, like a foreigner identification number. I need to set up a bank account, all that, all those little things. From some of the American students, I've heard that the process of getting a visa was very difficult, that they had to like go to the notary or get documents apostilled or stuff like that, which is a term I did not know before this process. They said that they were basically at some kind of office every single weekend that summer before coming here. So I don't wanna lie to you, I don't wanna sugarcoat it. The paperwork is very difficult. 
Um, it is very helpful if you can find someone who has gone through a similar process or just like get in touch with the other students that are going to the same university who are from the same country as well just so that you have people to bounce questions off of and you don't feel like you're in it alone. It's a lot of work, but I think there is also a lot of reward. If you truly want to study in another country, then you will just have to get through that initial um, shit sandwich, as Elizabeth Gilbert calls it in her book, Big Magic. Another question was, how has my experience been with foreign classmates? So I would say that you get used to this pretty quickly. Like, Maybe in the beginning it was cool that everyone was from a different country, but at a certain point that just becomes the new normal, you know? I will say though that I'm a little disappointed in myself that it seems like I'm hanging out mostly with the Americans. I don't know how this happened. I remember at the opening ceremony, one of the presenters was saying something like, embrace the diversity at the school and like talk to people who are from different countries and I have talked to people from other countries but somehow I feel like I've just made the best connections with other Americans and I don't know if that's a coincidence or if it's just like similar cultural backgrounds making it easier to interact. I do hang out with some people from different countries though so like in my friend circles thus far there are people from India, Italy, Bolivia, Germany, Sweden, um, that's all I can remember for the time being. I think an adjustment is that so many people here have like really complicated stories of where they're from, if that makes sense. So for example, I met this one girl who is from Brazil, but she grew up in China her whole life and she's actually fluent in Mandarin. And that was just so crazy to me. Like, you don't hear many of those stories in the United States. However, here it's pretty common. And so me, having been born in Lithuania and then moved to the United States, lived in Wisconsin for most of my life, that was a pretty interesting story to have in America. But here, I feel so boring saying that. I'm like, yeah, I, I lived in Wisconsin for 15 years, whereas other people are like, yeah, I moved around from um Bali and Milan and Singapore and I'm like oh my goodness slow down <laughs> so that's really cool regarding cultural differences specifically with moving to Spain I've definitely had to adjust the times that I wake up and go to sleep and eat and I don't know this has not been as bad as I thought it would be part of it is that the sun rises later here and so naturally I just want to wake up later and go to bed later I thought I would struggle with this because I've always liked waking up early, but it really is just a matter of shifting your schedule. You still get the same amount of sleep, you still have the same number of hours in the day, it's just literally different numbers on your alarm clock. I guess a difficult thing to adjust to has been sort of the Spanish pace of life. And I don't like making generalizations about anything because obviously in any country there's going to be people with all sorts of different lifestyles but one thing is that a lot of restaurants grocery stores etc close down in the afternoon which i found pretty annoying because i'm used to everything being always open in the united states i just hear from a lot of people that things generally take longer in spain which is also frustrating because i don't know i'm just used to the american lifestyle of always being busy 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 on the go get things done as fast as possible i've noticed sometimes that i get annoyed with how slowly people are walking i don't even know if this is a spanish thing per se i think i'm just a fast walker um because in the united states i rarely had to walk anywhere we would drive everywhere but i do notice that sometimes i get a little bit annoyed when i'm on the sidewalk walking behind what i think are slow people and i guess the last thing is that there is a lot of partying here. I don't know if that's Spain culture or IE University culture. I have heard that IE University is like one of the top party schools in Spain, which I did not even know when I applied. Like I, I was a little annoyed that I accidentally chose the party school because I did not want to go to a party school. But I really think that at any university, anywhere you go, you can always find people that have a similar lifestyle to you. So like I've definitely been able to find people who don't necessarily want to go out every single night. Alrighty, next category, life in university. So one person asked me, what would a busy day look like? Like what are the times of the classes? So I think a pretty busy day that I have coming up is on Friday. 
So on Friday, I have three classes. Two of those are one hour, 20 minutes. And one of them is that super long, super fun writing for media class, which is three hours long. So in total, I have about five and a half hours of classes on Friday. Most of my classes, and this is just personal to me, so this is not a generalization of what going to college in Spain is like, but most of my classes are afternoon. I generally don't have anything earlier than 11 in the morning. I don't know how I feel about this yet. I thought that I would prefer morning classes, but it is kind of nice to just have the morning and decide how I want to spend it on what I deem is most important at the moment. And then when my energy is lower in the afternoon, all I have to do is just like go to class and sit there and listen for the most part. So yeah, on Friday, I'm gonna have classes from 12 to four, and then I'm gonna have a little bit of a break classes from 6 to 7.20, and then dinner is at 8. Another question someone had was, what has been better than expected and what has been worse than expected? I think what has been better is the residence and the cafeteria definitely exceeded my expectations. We did see photos of the residence before we decided that we wanted to live here, but I don't think the photos did it much justice. I was worried that my room, for example, would be very dark, and not as big as I wanted it to be, but it was bigger in real life, brighter. The common areas are a lot nicer than I imagined, so everything about the residence is fantastic. The food at the cafeteria is also really good. I think there's a lot of variety. Um, I got a full meal plan, which is breakfast, lunch, and dinner Monday through Saturday, which was a little bit of a gamble because if the food was not good, I was just stuck eating the cafeteria's food, but luckily, it has surpassed my expectations. What has been worse than expected is, I think it is more difficult than I thought it would be to make friends. Before coming here, like many people, I think I thought, wow, I'm gonna reinvent myself and I'm gonna be so much more confident and social than I was in high school because I've had these two gap years to grow and whatever. No, I am a shy and quiet person. I don't like going out of my way to talk to people that I don't know or to introduce myself to everyone. And I think pretty quickly you realize that a complete change of identity and personality is just not possible. You just gotta stick to who you are deep down. So yeah, it's been hard for me to socialize because I find that beginning stage of making friends, forming friend groups, pretty exhausting. You just don't know these people that well. You can't have very open and honest conversations. It's a lot of small talk. Literally every single conversation for the first week or two was, hi, what's your name? Where are you from? What are you studying? Um, what residence do you live in? Just like that same script over and over. I know it just takes patience and that friendships will solidify soon enough, but for the time being, it definitely feels like it's kind of up in the air. Like the people that I thought I would be friends with in the first week, maybe I don't even talk to anymore. Um, people I didn't think I would connect with, I actually did connect with, so it's all very confusing, but I'm hoping that with a bit of time, I will find a close group of friends. Another really good question was, how do you deal with living so far away from home? So, in case anyone doesn't know, home is Madison, Wisconsin, and currently I am in Segovia, Spain, so that is quite a distance. There is a entire ocean separating those two cities. You might know it, it's called the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I don't know, it's not that difficult. I think the important thing to consider is not necessarily the distance, but like how easy it is to visit your family or how often you're going to visit them. So yes, Spain is a lot farther from Wisconsin than say California might be if I decided to go to university in California. However, if I went to college in California, I probably would only come home for Christmas and summer break. And that is going to be my situation with Spain as well. I plan on coming home for winter break and coming home for the summer. So in that sense, it's not very different. Like, as a human being, you don't feel that distance. You just kind of feel the, the time spent away from your family and the obstacles and the obstacles to getting to visit them. So obviously a big obstacle is that plane tickets are freaking expensive from Spain to America, more expensive than they would be from California to the US. Luckily, I am able to buy a plane ticket to go home for Christmas and visit them. So I would say the biggest 
uh, difficulty is the time zones. So there's a seven hour difference between me and my family. There's seven hours behind me. And sometimes I kind of feel that loneliness in the morning. Like I know that if I were to text them, they won't respond because they're sleeping and I can't call them because I would wake them up. So pretty much we've been calling just after I finish dinner. That's the best time for us all to talk. But overall, I would say it's not that bad. Just FaceTiming them as much as you can texting them throughout the day, just keeping that little bits of connection going is really important. One question someone had is, should I live on campus or off campus? So personally, the reason I chose a residence was because since so many things would be changing, I would be moving to a whole new country, starting school after two years of not doing school, and also trying to balance YouTube on the side, I wanted to keep my living arrangements as simple as possible. So I chose to live in a residence with a full meal plan so that basically my living arrangements and my food six days out of the week would be completely taken care of. So far, I feel really, really good about this decision. Obviously, it depends on what residence you'll be staying in and the quality of the food at your university. But for me, it has been fantastic. I do have a single room. And so one thing that I've noticed is that it's very important that I actually leave my room and go interact with people because as much as I love being here on my own as an introvert, sometimes I just stay in my room too much. So this is something that I noticed happened last Sunday is because there were no set meal times to go to the cafeteria and eat with the other students, I woke up and I went down to the residence kitchen to make some muesli and no one was down there. I literally don't know where people disappear on Sundays if they just like hide in their rooms as well. But I don't think I saw a single human being until I went out for dinner with a friend at night. The last question in this category was, do you get time to connect with your family and friends back home? Yes, but it definitely takes effort. You have to decide that you want to stay in touch with people. So with my family, it's easier because first of all, my parents work from home. Um, so they're often available and also they just want me to call them <laughs> the more the better So usually it's pretty easy if I want to call them after dinner, then I just go ahead and call them um, With friends it does take a little bit of planning. So I think I've had four or five calls with friends in the time that I've been here so far and that has been really really nice because it is hard forming new friendships at least for me it is pretty exhausting for my social battery and so it is so nice to reconnect with old friends who you've known for years you know really well you understand each other and just kind of recharge your social battery it's very interesting how social batteries work because different social interactions can either drain or recharge your battery so talking to my old close friends is something i need in order for me to have the energy to go out there and make new friends Finally, the last section is advice for high schoolers and college students. One person asked, how do you deal with the stress of applications? So being completely honest, applications were not very stressful for me as at least as far as I can remember. Mainly that is because I did my applications during my gap year. So I didn't have school to balance alongside applications. However, some things that I would recommend doing are, first of all, please start early. It is a lot of steps that you have to take, a lot of essays that you have to write, stuff to fill out. So you need as much time as you can possibly get for that. Be sure to use your resources. There are probably a lot of people at your school whose job it is to help you with your application. So please reach out to them. This is something that I have trouble with because I feel like I should be able to do everything on my own, but there are people there who are literally there, literally paid to support you. So please access those resources if you have them. Also, I would recommend a book called uh, Where Where You'll <laughs> Where You'll Go Is Not Who You'll Be. I think that's what it's called by Frank Bruni. This is a book my friend recommended to me um, back in like my initial stages of looking at colleges because sort of a <laughs> A transformation that I had throughout middle school and high school is that I went from being someone who really wanted to go to a prestigious school because I did well in school and I just felt like 
that was the honor that I needed to achieve, you know, getting into a very selective school and proving to everyone that I could do that. And then as more time went on and I thought about the reasons why I was going to college, that just didn't fit, you know, pushing myself to go to a really selective school and pay a lot of money for a very selective school didn't help me to get closer to my goals, um, which I talked a little bit about at the start of the podcast. Basically, I just want to learn more about communications and have a college experience. And I realized that I could get that from a college that didn't necessarily rank on whatever those U.S. world top 10, top 100 university rankings are. So remember that the colleges that you get accepted to do not define you. You can have an amazing experience at colleges that are not necessarily 5% acceptance rate or whatever. Figure out what it is that you are looking for from a college experience. Expand your search to include colleges that you might not have previously considered. And above all, be kind to yourself. Someone asked, what is something you would have done differently in high school to prepare for college? Honestly, I don't think I would change anything about my high school experience. I think everything worked out the way it should have to bring me to the point where I am now. However, the piece of advice that I would give that helped me is to not worry about having your entire high school plan laid out from the get-go. So I really struggled at the beginning of high school because I felt like everyone around me already knew what they wanted to do, exactly the classes that they wanted to take all four years of high school, and I just felt so lost and I felt lazy because I wasn't immediately like jumping into different clubs and going for leadership positions and stuff. Looking back on it, I kind of was doing that, but I felt like I wasn't doing that enough. I was definitely doing a lot of comparing myself to other students. So that is my advice is don't do that. When you enter high school, your idea of what you're going to do, how you're going to spend your four years is probably gonna end up being quite different from how things turn out. And I would advise you to be very, very open to opportunities that arise and just doing random things and trying them and seeing how it goes. Most of the stuff that I committed myself most to in high school, I did not plan on joining. I made this long list of clubs that I wanted to join before I entered freshman year. And I only ended up joining one of those. The other two clubs that formed a huge part of my high school experience were literally accidents. One of them, my friend invited me to come along with her to the first meeting and I was like, sure, I'm not doing anything this afternoon, I'll go. And the other one, I was not planning on joining until my friend told me about it in driver's ed during the summer. And I was like, sure, that sounds cool, I'll give it a try. And I could not have imagined how much those experiences would end up shaping my high school journey. So don't try to write a plan from the beginning because if you just go with the flow, things will probably turn out even better than you would have planned for. Another person asked in a similar vein, your best college prep tips for juniors. It's been a while, but if I remember correctly, isn't that the year when you take like ACTs and SATs? I would recommend getting a prep book. For the, bleh, for the ACT or the SAT. I only took the ACT. I used the Princeton Review. Um, I think that's what they're called, Princeton Books. For all of my AP exams and the ACT test, and they served me very well. I think they're really comprehensive and actually pretty entertaining to read, which always helps when you're drowning and studying for AP exams and stuff. I definitely recommend don't just focus on studying the content, spend lots of time perfecting the strategies, especially for the ACT, because I hear that the ACT is more of a speed game and the SAT is like less questions, but you spend more time on each question. So I think I'm better at speed. That's why I took the ACT. The Princeton Review book gave so many um, methods and processes for getting through the questions as quickly as possible and I really drilled those I took lots of practice tests and then implemented them on exam day and they work really really well how do you stop procrastinating that is a great question a very common question I think the thing that helps me most to not procrastinate is time blocking and scheduling because I think procrastination really arises when we have this to do in our head, but we haven't decided when we're going to do it. And so we constantly have it hanging in the back of our mind 
and we're constantly thinking, oh, should I sit down to work on it now or should I do it later? Should I do it now? Should I do it later? However, if you schedule what you're going to do during the day or even your entire week, if you time block and set aside a certain chunk of time to work on a specific thing, you just don't have to make those decisions anymore. You don't have to ask yourself, am I going to do this now? Am I going to do it later? Because it's literally on your calendar. You see exactly when you're going to do it. That just eliminates so many of the opportunities for excuses and procrastination. And finally, one last question. Someone mentioned that they have an hour-long commute to their university and they were asking questions for how to spend that commute. So first of all, I'm sorry you have to commute an hour to college. That sounds really difficult. I am actually pretty close to campus. I'm like an eight-minute walk away. But that has also been an adjustment for me because I've never really had to walk places. I always drove everywhere. So for the beginning, I just focused on where I was going because I was afraid I would get lost if I tried to listen to anything while walking. Now, though, I definitely feel more comfortable and I have very much been enjoying listening to podcasts. I know that's super cliche and I've already talked about listening to podcasts while driving and eating breakfast and cooking and things like that. But it's been really nice to just walk outside, actually enjoy the fresh air and a little bit of exercise and also listen to something to keep me occupied and entertained. So I'm a huge proponent of audiobooks and podcasts and things like that. I hope that keeps you entertained on your commute as well. So that is the end of what I feel was a very long episode. I feel like I've been talking forever. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this was helpful to you if you are in that stage where you're planning on going to college soon or if you're thinking about studying abroad. Three takeaways that I have for you from this episode is number one, look at all of your options. So like I mentioned, don't just focus on the colleges that have fancy names and a lot of prestige behind them. Look at options that are available in other countries or options that don't make it on the rankings list but might also be very good schools that you would have a great experience at. One tool that I would recommend is, I'm pretty sure I used this website called bachelorsportal.com when I was looking for places internationally to study communications. So this is just a website that compiles degree programs from all over the world and you can use different filters. So I basically just filter the countries that I was interested in studying at, what I wanted to study, and then I had so many universities um, and websites to look through before I finally settled on IE. So do yourself a favor, just look at what's out there, even if you already um, have heart eyes for one specific college, you never know what you might find, especially if you broaden your scope to the entire world. My second takeaway is less of a takeaway and more of just like a comforting reassurance is that I think a lot of people are not sure about what they're studying. I posted about this on Instagram and got so many comments from people sharing their stories about how they've constantly been changing their major, they completely shifted the career that they wanted to go to, all kinds of different stories. So if you are confused about what you want to study, please do not feel alone. I used to feel very sure of what I wanted to study and then that sort of broke down bit by bit. So I understand some of that. Ultimately, don't feel bad if you want to change your career path or change your degree. You have to do what's right for you. Very few people's paths are linear. So you just got to trust the process, make the decision that feels right for now and stick with it until you really feel like you need to make a change. Finally, I'm going to end it with a super cliche takeaway, which is be yourself. I think that's a very important thing to remember in college. Um, I was just talking about this with someone, how in the first few weeks of college, you don't really see people's true personalities because everyone gets here thinking that they're going to reinvent themselves. And then soon enough, they realize that the best way to be is to just return to the personality that they've had their entire life. So... I think that's the best way to make friends is you're going to find the friend group that you're most comfortable around if you initially are yourself when you're looking for that friend group. It's certainly good to push yourself sometimes to try new things or see what it might be like if you were a little more outgoing and a little more social. But for the most part, if you are, for example, an introvert like me, 
you're gonna be happiest if you don't try to fit into some super outgoing and social mold because you're gonna find friends who enjoy doing things that you also enjoy doing. So that is it for today. I will be sure to update you on how my thoughts on my degree, on this university, and on life in Spain change because I'm sure they will over the course of this year. For now, I'm having a pretty good time. I think I've made the right decision in coming here, coming to this university to study. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and found some value in it, and I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.